Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, I sit down with Dwayne Johns. He is a builder, remodeler, coach, and consultant. Dwayne entered the construction industry over 30 years ago, working on oceanfront estates in the Hamptons on Long Island, New York. From laborer to craftsman to business owner, he was always honing his skills and immersed himself in all aspects of high-end custom construction. In 1996, he moved to Charlotte, North Carolina and started a general contracting business with Roger Ketchum, and the two achieved success right away, winning industry awards and earning rave reviews from clients, designers, and trade partners. He has now shifted his focus from the day-to-day aspects of building and remodeling award-winning homes to building more rewarding and more valuable businesses. Now for my conversation with Dwayne Johns. Hey, Dwayne. Welcome to the show. Hey, Spencer. Glad to be back, man. Good to see you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been been a little bit. We were joking before we hit record that this one's been a long time coming because I think we've had to rebook it about 25,000 times in the last year. You know, it's been on and off the calendar <laughs> a few times. Yeah. That's why even this time I looked a few days ago. Is yeah. Is this one real? Yeah. Are we doing this, this the one? for yeah, real one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm super excited to to have you back on. It's definitely been, yeah, I feel like we've been saying a lot of been a roller coaster last couple of years and things are always changing and different challenges, but really wanted to focus in around the sales front because I think when, when demand softens or when when you're when we don't experience the COVID times of just like we're just being thrown opportunities, sales becomes more important. And it feels like we're heavily in that zone. We've come down from those peak peak highs. So even if demand is still there, things are more competitive, right? There's just less projects going on. And so we have we have to tighten that up. But yeah, I guess to kick things off, I'm curious what you see as the most common kind of challenges on the sales side that you see when you're looking from the outside in, talking to builders, remodelers, either challenges or problems or gaps that you commonly see? Yeah. I mean, I think what I'm seeing now, and you know, I'm fortunate I get to work with remodelers, custom builders, focus a lot here in the Carolinas, but I work with folks all across North America. And it was over a year ago, I had said with a few other folks that, you know, we're going to start to see it, you know, at some point, the client is going to be like, this, this just costs too much. You know, this, this doesn't really make sense. I'm not sure that the numbers align. And, you know, I think with interest rates ticking up, inflation, yeah, and maybe it's eased, but it certainly hasn't come down. Prices have not come down. Maybe if you look at some things, yeah, you could sit there and say, okay, well, framing has come down, but other stuff has gone up and maybe continues to go up. So we're just in an environment of higher and, you know, higher inflation, higher cost. And it, it does. It's got people to that point where they're starting to question. Now, I mean, it, it had us, COVID had us in that period of being order takers. I think most of us know that, you know, it was, it was just lining up. I mean, you had the leads coming in, you had the opportunity to just kind of pick through the ones that you wanted and, 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 and some of the best, which was, that was great, but that was also not reality, you know? And I think too, when I, when I look back, I, w- 
I would think that when you when you think about training and things that people work on on their business, sales is probably one that's always there. You know, mm. so it is it is pretty rare that you get into a period of time where demand is just so strong that you almost don't have to think about sales. You know, you just say, okay, how do I get this into the system and get it done? But now that we are coming back down to earth a little bit, I think that's what it is. And now it also is unique because I I do still see demand there. It's not like the demand is just evaporated. I think the demand is still there, but maybe it's even like the the, the client is starting to become a little grounded. You know, like, hey, I, I better ask maybe some more questions. I better <laughs> take a look at it. Does this make sense? Like, as I said, on, on paper, all those things. So those are the challenges that I see. I see a lot of folks losing deals that maybe they assumed they were just going to have, probably because they maybe they skipped a step. You know, maybe they weren't on their game in their qualifying process or in their sales process. Let's face it, there's gonna there's always gonna be somebody out there with a lower price. And not that you ever really want to compete on that. But uh, again, I think a, a a client is gonna start to look at that and say, hmm, maybe, maybe it's worth me taking a look at that guy that says he can do it for, you know, substantially less. So yeah. you know, those are the challenges I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like I, I've been encouraging people to go back and look at like lead levels from 2019, 2018 and kind of compare to that. Because kind of to your point, there's still demand, but it just looks so different than the last couple of years where it was so high. And so I think it helps reframe for people to go, oh, it's actually pretty similar to like 2017, 18, 19, if that's the case for you in your market. And then you go, okay, I just need to put myself back in those shoes and say, how do I, yeah, how do I tighten up my sales process? How do I sell more value into this? How do I you know, not skip steps like you said? So I, I kind of want to get into that a little bit deeper in the weeds. For people that don't want to compete on price, which hopefully is most people listening to this or almost everybody, what are some common ways that you see that you can really start to communicate value to that prospect that's seeing all these prices go way up? And, yeah. And just start to communicate that it's, that it's more than just the, the end number. Yeah, and to your point, I'm I gonna assume here that the you know the vast majority of the listeners are not trying to compete on price. Yeah, you're trying to be competitive, and you certainly want to you know you have to create value. And I also think you know I, I'm I'm in the custom home and remodeling market. I think most folks again probably are are close to that today more than ever. You've got to provide the value. You have to provide the value, and it's it's the value I think is in the information. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't I can't remember a time when pe- when we've all had access to more information and you know you've got to stay on the top of your game. I mean you've just got to you've got to understand your product, your service, your trade base, the market, all of these things. But I think what you have to understand is the client now has access to a lot of that too. It doesn't mean it's right, but they have a tremendous access to information. You know, it, it used to be the information that the client gleaned was, you know, from you know the neighbor or the, the the realtor, and we've all heard the story. Oh, I've got you know I've got a cousin that's in the business, and you know now they've got access to not the early days of the internet. I mean, a mature internet that is just loaded with information, and you know they they take that information and they have to process it, and then they're you know then now they're trying to compare it to what you're telling them. So I, I think that you know one of the biggest things is you've just you've got to be on top of your game and whatever it is you're selling whether that's one specific niche of the market you got to know it better than everybody else and you certainly have to know it better than your client 
you know, so so that the client is accepting you as that trusted guide, a trusted advisor. You know, don't just show up. I think if you just show up as a builder or a remodeler, you're already behind the eight ball, mm-hmm. you know, because now you're now you're sort of commoditizing yourself, you know, just like the other guys that are going to show up to give you a price. If you, but if you really show up as that that true advisor and you are filled with knowledge and information and and then you have to communicate that to them. You know, you can't yeah. just sit there and 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 preach to them like you you know it better than anybody. You've got to be able to communicate the the knowledge that you have to the client so that the you know, in a perfect world you want to get the client to where they ultimately are making the decision. You know, but they're making that decision themselves. You're not trying to sell them into something, you know, you're not trying to persuade them. You've just in, you've imparted enough knowledge with them that they can walk away going, wow, you know what? This this just this makes sense. Yeah. What are some things you kind of said you don't want to just walk in as the builder and then you start to commoditize commoditize yourself a little bit? How do you elevate yourself past that? You said kind of like sharing lots of information and being at the top of your game. But I'm wondering if you have some yeah. examples for people listening going, okay, but how do I do that? Right. Yeah. I mean, if, let's say if somebody's going to put in uh, whatever it could be, they're going to do a, you know, a, a, an addition to the home and they want to put in a, a, just a kick-ass home theater room. Well, if you, you know, kind of took some time ahead of time, even if you aren't necessarily the expert in, in AV or haven't even done a ton of those before, you know, do some homework prior. Maybe align yourself. Go have a conversation with an with you know an audio video guy or the top tech guy in your market. You know, get to understand it so that when you show up for some of those early conversations with the client, you're you're ahead of the game already. You're telling him what you're seeing. You're telling him what you're getting them excited about what could happen when they do this project. You know, versus it's it's just stuff. You know, like oh, we're okay. These are the things that I want in the house. Yeah, let me write it down, make some notes, and then I'll come back with a price. You know, I mean that that's just not again. That's not bringing any value. Position yourself to where you're leading them to make some really good decisions. And then, and I think the excitement part that I that I mentioned is something a lot of people underestimate. Underestimate. You've got to get excited with this client. You know, especially in times like this, things are expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of big decisions for them make them feel good about the decisions they're making. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. I mean, it's just, it's contextualizing it, right? It's personalizing it. Like you said, with the theater example. Yeah. Yeah. And even pricing, you know, right now, I, I a good way to combat some of this pricing, I think all of us are going to go up against that. You know, you could get a new lead wherever that lead comes from today. And if you meet with them in a few days and, you know, maybe a however your process is, if you come back to them with some sort of price or preliminary price, it's probably going to blow them out of the water. Mm -hmm. Um, It's probably going to blow you out of the water. You know, you're probably going to start to write some things down. Maybe you reach out to a few key subs and go, this can't be right. This just, you know, I I did something like this two years ago and it was half the price, but it's a reality. It is what it is. But I think on the flip side of that, you know, the, the consumer is, is in a, is still in a stronger position than they've probably ever been in fundamentals are still there. And let's face it, home values have gone up just like everything else has gone up. So you've got to be able, you got to be able to make it relative for the client. You know, instead of them just looking at all of this as, wow, this is just so much more expensive than if I would have did it a few years ago. And, you know, any sensible person is just going to start to question that. Maybe you've come back with some, you know, some examples of projects you've recently done, or, hey, let's take a look at some of these other home values in, in the area and 
you're not going out on a limb here, you know, from, from a number standpoint, this does make sense. So that's just yeah. a totally different way to spin it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, yeah, the framing of it is powerful, you know, depending on the situation and yeah, I think that's good. Is, is there anything that you've noticed in the sales process aside from like delivering tons of information like that, that companies are really able to build value? Is it like the process? Is it the proof? Like we've done this a hundred times. Is it, yeah, I'm just curious, you know, cause you get to see and work with and talk to a lot of remodelers and builders. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the the process is is probably one of the biggest parts of it and getting comfortable with your process. You know, you never want to show up and, and and force the process, you know, to where you're kind of sticking the process in the client's face or yeah, you know, you're a script or you're just trying to be ultra repetitive. I mean, this isn't, you know, the the aluminum siding salesman of the 60s. You don't, you know, you just don't <laughs> you never want to be that. But I think if you can if you can get comfortable with what your process is and make sure that as you're as you're building rapport with that client, you're not missing anything. Again, that opportunity to did I ask, you know, you you should have your questions already established. You should know what you're going to be talking about with that client. You know, you know the key points that you have to hit on. You know, you need to practice that. You need to rehearse that so that you're not maybe fumbling around or looking at, you know, scripts or, oh, this is my intake sheet. Let me make sure I'm answering every single question. I think it needs to be something that's just, it, you know, you've done it enough, you've practiced enough to where you're making sure it just comes out at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, because then I think there's a comfort from the client there that that says, wow, this, you know, this person is really asking me, they're interested in my project and they're asking me some questions that I didn't even think about. I think it's really important to understand, hone your process, but then, you know, practice it. Yeah. Yeah. Well in advance of any kind of sales meeting. Yeah. I like what you said there at the end, like asking those questions that make them think, oh, I didn't think about, I feel like that's where you build so much credibility is you're hitting them with things that they're like, oh, I should have thought of that. Or I'm glad they asked because now we can think about how that will impact X, Y, or Z in the project or us 10 years from now or those types of things. Cause I think it yeah. shows that you're, you're paying attention. Yeah. Cause I think telling them how good you are telling them how many times you've done it, telling, telling them a lot of stuff like that, constantly just telling, 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 I mean, we've heard it before, you know, you do more listening, but one of the best ways to listen is to ask more questions. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the sales process, you know, typically people have like a pre-qualification call and then either an on-site or a longer Zoom meeting for that initial. And then there's a variance from there, right? Signing into design, or maybe there's a second meeting. And out of what you've seen, are there any of those initial steps from like somebody fills out a form on the website to the phone pre-qual to that first meeting um, to kind of moving somebody into design where you feel like they're kind of make or break or do you kind of just have to nail them all? Like, is there one, is there one point? Yeah. Where it's like- <laughs> <laughs> it's something that we, we work on a lot with the, with the, you know, builders, remodelers, teams that I work with is, and a lot of this comes back from feedback from the, the other members on, on teams, such as project managers, you know, could be lead carpenters, all, all the folks is, you know, we, we all know the pain of the wrong client. We, we just know that, you know, but I don't know that as maybe as business owners or people in, in the sales position, front-facing sales, how much pain <laughs> that folks that have to actually perform the work go through when the project is not set up or it's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. So we we spend a lot of time, 
you know, we'll call it a client avatar or, you know, identifying your, the ideal client. But I think that goes back to you know, some of the fundamentals of your business, you know, and, and, and one of those is creating the core values of your business, you know? And I think if, if you really have a, taken some time to establish what those core values are, it's going to become very easy then to start to identify your ideal client. You know, first of all, do they align with your core values? You know, if they don't, this is probably going to be a battle. This could be yeah. difficult. You know, another thing that I look at is that I've found, and I've looked back through the years of all, you know, all the projects that maybe didn't go so well and try to see what's, you know, what are the, what are the common themes here? And I feel like you've, you, you always have to have the three things that you have to have is you've got to have a good client, you've got to have good design, and you've got to have a good budget. When one, any one of those three is missing, it's an uphill battle. So I think in your early, early parts of the process, you know, before you invest a ton of time, you've, you've got to try to identify that, you know, is this the right client? Is this, you know, is there going to be a path to good design? Do we have a, a good budget? Might take you a meeting or two to dig into that. I get that. But I think those things have to come to the forefront as early in the process as possible, or it's it's probably going to end in a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like you lose the sale or you get frustrated and you don't understand why, you know, it's probably yeah. related to that. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you've been enjoying this episode, I'd really appreciate a rating and a review. It definitely makes my day to hear from you individually and it helps us spread the word. All right, now back to the show. I like that a lot, yeah. And it, it is kind of just a funny thing about business. You have kind of the sales end, which is like very motivated to close the deal. And then you have delivery, which is very motivated by pleasing the client and they get stuck with whatever sales sold <laughs> to them, uh, whether that's amazing or terrible. And and so I, th- I like what you said about the core values and the, the right to client, because if you start the sales process from that point of view and you, and you have people in sales, whether it's the owner or otherwise, that will actually aim for that then you can avoid kind of those those disasters. <laughs> yeah, and I mean I you know I I get it. It's a it's a slippery slope. You've got to be careful with it because you know if you ask people let's say project managers if you ask them what they want, well they want perfection. They yeah. want, you know, they want unlimited budget. They want the best the most the nicest yeah. client you'll ever meet. Yeah, they want most money, all, the most time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we realize as business owners, well, you know, we can't always find all those, but I think you have to kind kind of come to a balance around that. So at least what you're doing is you're reducing the risk of having a client, putting a ton of effort into a client that one, like I said, you might not even have a chance of getting the job from the get-go. You could have identified that, you know, yeah. or two, you do get through the process, you get the client, but it's just a nightmare, you know, yeah. from beginning to end. Yeah. How much do you think response times and speed plays a role in sales? And I, I kind of have my head around like a lead comes in through the website, but also like post-meeting follow-up whether that's email or, or next steps or just kind of, is that undervalued, overvalued? Like how do you rank speed of communication? Yeah, we've had, I, I, I don't necessarily, I don't ge- generally judge the speed as much as I, I, I like to judge the, the quality of the communication. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is you can, cause everybody can be a little bit different. You know, obviously if you're in the fire restoration business, speed is yeah probably matters. the most important thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Somebody that wants to come to me and and dump, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars into a master bathroom—that's probably not urgent. 
You yeah. know, like, man, you got to be here today to renovate my bathroom. There's yeah. not as much urgency there. So for that person, maybe the quality of the response, you know, if, if they if they hit the website or or if they called, something I think should come back to them as quickly as possible, even if it's a, you know, we're not going to be able to follow up with you for 24 to 48 hours or whatever the case. I think it's that quality of they, they know that they've been heard. They feel like, wow, this, this information was captured. And I have, I have a high confidence level that, you know, I'm going to get a response here because I think, I think most people understand that we, we are busy. We're business people. And, you know, in some ways, I don't know that they want somebody to just answer the phone on the other end and start taking down sales information. You know, that's, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. 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 I feel like the quality, like you said, of the communication is, you know, hey, this is the next step. Here's what we should do next. Hey, yeah. And then the questions, like you said, you've done it enough times, you're asking all the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think depending on your organization and how you're structured, whether it's, you know, from a one-man show all the way up to a large business, but, you know, what that, that falls back to the process we talked about, you know, what does that look like when a lead comes in, whether it's through the web or a phone call, how is that handled? You know, is there a fairly quick response? Okay, the response has been done. Now, is that out of that response, is that client clear on what the next step is? Yeah. You know, so that, okay, I, I, I don't know anything yet, but I do know that I'm getting a call from Spencer tomorrow between one and four, you know? Yeah. And then when they get that call, that call is loaded with information around what this call's about, you know? Mm-hmm. Start, the, start, the, start that first conversation off with the client around, what we expect to get out of this first call. Yeah. You know, don't lead, don't, because their expectation is I want a price. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, in general, that's, that's really what they want to get to. What is this going to cost me? You know, but walk them through a little bit of what your process is. Here's how we're going to communicate back and forth. You know, maybe we're going to tackle this in the first meeting. We're going to need a second meeting to do X, Y, and Z. And uh, again, I think that that shows them that you've got your act together. You've got a very, you know, systematic process and you're, it's, it feels totally professional to them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about the element of sales that I feel like is a big leap for people, which is like the owner selling and then the transition to non-owner selling. What do you, I guess, out of all the like companies you work with, how many like percentage wise, how many are in the owner still selling bucket versus non? And then I've got some follow-ups on that. Yeah, we've still we've still got a lot of owners in the selling position, but I think and I think in a lot of cases that's actually where they belong. It's their highest and best use. You know, on occasion yeah. we'll get somebody that's maybe a, a way better operator, and they just they're sure. you know they've got somebody else doing sort of the sales and maybe even business develop business development visionary stuff. But I what I think is important is it, it depends on what you're looking to do with your business. You know, let's say you're a business owner and you want to you want to maybe make that transition or bring somebody on. The first thing is you've, you've got to start getting to that point. And, and I've, I've had challenging conversations with people about this. There's people that believe, man, you know what, when that client calls, I just want to answer the phone and I'm there for them all the time. And and I get it. But at the same point, you know, if you're, driving home or you're, you know, on the way back from the lumber yard or something and a client calls and you're trying to scribble down if you're just not you're not giving that client the attention they deserve, really. So I think that's that's proof positive that if you had a structure, you know, for taking those calls and then 
you you will have dedicated time to sit down, be at your computer, take the proper information, focus on the client, focus on that. That's just going to be a way better experience for them. Yeah. So and so if that is your process, you have to be able to impart that onto your you know this person that maybe you're putting into that sales role. Yeah. Um, and that I've seen that I've seen that where we have business owners that are just so they are so immersed in the business and like I said, taking calls anywhere, wherever the phone rings, they're taking it you're never going to be able to pass that along to somebody else. Yeah. 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 It feels like that spot to your point, maybe that is the highest, best use and and the owner should stay in that role. If you've got a process, you could scale it. If you don't have a process, you can't scale it. You can't pass it on to somebody else. Yeah. And that was more my, my follow on question, which is if, if there's an owner listening and they're doing all the sales or almost all of it, what are a couple of those key steps to being able to make that leap to pull themselves out of sales. Well, I, you know, again, back to the you know systems and processes, but you've you've got to have those in place. You know, you've got to have things documented. How how is what is your sales process? What is your pre-construction process if you have one? You know, what is what is the process for any kind of information? You know, if you're going to pass information from you as the salesperson to maybe a a project manager or a lead carpenter that's going to take over at some point, you know that that all has to be documented and and fully understood by everybody. You know that that I mean that's number one because if you don't have that in place, it's just an exercise in futility to try to say that you're going to do that. Bring somebody on, and you know I think the worst part, the worst thing that a salesperson or or any business developer, someone in that role is going to want is you know, for you, the owner to come in and say, well, I was hoping you'd figure that out. You know, yeah. that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. You almost have, you have to do it enough and do it enough in the same way that you can now train somebody to do it the same way you yeah. did it. And yeah. Yeah. And Thanks. then there's expectation setting. You know, I mean, I think once you've got a repeatable process like that, that you fully understand your team understands, you can explain it to your clients and your your you know your trades and your subs everybody kind of understands the the how the information flows and communication throughout the company you can introduce a new person to that you know because that way you can set the expectation in the beginning that this is the person you're dealing with mm-hmm. you know because if you don't do that it's it's you know the, it's the clients the client's going to think and rightly so that well I just go to the owner you know that's who I call because that's yeah. sort of how the business works you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. How about just like general do's and don'ts, things you've learned over the years about building a successful sales program, whether it's the owner or somebody else doing it? Not a specific number, but just anything that comes to mind that stands out. Like if somebody's trying to improve their sales process, are there some things to avoid or things that like, yep, definitely want to include this? Yeah. I think on, on the include side, I would say is and probably how many times we said it already system, you know, make sure you've got the system. (laughs) There's a thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Follow the system. You know, that's, that's the thing. Don't wander off because you're the boss and you can just willy nilly. It's so hard. I I feel like a lot of visionaries are that. I mean, I find myself doing that all the time. Like I can build an amazing process and then I won't, I won't even look at it. And it won't follow it. Right. It's so hard, but train yourself. And that's why I said, whether it's practice role play with some, folks on your team, whatever, just getting comfortable and in the groove because you don't want to be a robot. Like I said, you don't want to be there, you know, being too mechanical about it, but make sure you you have practiced enough to where you can, you're going to make sure you follow that process every time when you're talking to a client. I, I think the lead, you know, some, some form of, I would say sophisticated lead tracking, you know, mm-hmm. whether that's through a CRM system, 
even if you're using a spreadsheet, I don't care what it is, but make it sophisticated enough that you can do something with the information. You know, yeah. you know where every client is in the process. You can rate clients. I mean, right now for all of us, I think our biggest enemy is is just bandwidth. You know, so you've you've got to make sure that the time you're spending with any of these clients is is justified. You know, because not only are you wasting your time, you might be wasting a client's time. Maybe it's not a fit. You know, maybe there is a, maybe maybe one of the best things you could do is just decide that this is this is not a good fit for either one of us, and you refer them to to someone else or. Maybe they're not even ready yet. Maybe you tell them, hey, you know what? You need to go back and do X, Y, and Z and engage with a designer or whatever to, before you're even ready to start talking about pricing. You know, Be prepared to say those kind of things. I think though that's definitely on the, you know, make sure you you have side. And then on the, you know, on the don't is don't, don't rush out to see these projects. And again, I think that's where you know, that excitement level comes in. You don't want to miss something. Maybe you think I should be the first one there. Uh, that doesn't mean be late or put anybody off either, but back to following that process, we keep talking about your system or process. I mean, if you ded- dedicate some time, you know, don't just, I guess this maybe go back to the do. I would say do set aside some specific time every week to maybe work on your sales, you know, because mm-hmm. you might be pulled away and doing some other things. So make sure that that's guarded, protected time. And that's what you're doing because you're going to be in the zone. You're going to be really good at it. Um, Try not to fill all those other spots with that random client that wants to meet you on the way home, you know? Um, Yeah. And then uh, again, back to that don't side, like I said, don't force other stuff to fit in there. Don't go, don't go chasing things because they're shiny, the shiny objects, you know, wow, that's a great project. I need, I'm just going to fly over there and see what this is about. You're going to be off your game. You're probably going to invest time in it. You're probably going to lose it. And then I think the biggest, the biggest don't is the don't don't talk as much as you probably <laughs> want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we we are we tend to be solvers as business owners, especially in construction. You know, don't don't come out of the gate fixing all their problems. They don't really want to hear that. You know, yeah. they want to get it out. And that's why I'm saying ask more questions, let them engage, build some rapport. Don't fly into solve mode, which most of us do. Oh, I've done that. No problem. We can do that. Handle it. I've got the best, you know, person for that. Nine times out of 10, they don't want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. great advice. Yeah. The, just default to a question if you're stuck, <laughs> uh, get them talking. Absolutely. Dwayne, I got a couple more questions to wrap us up. But before I get to that, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you and find out what you're up to and how you help, what's a good way to do that? Uh, a couple different ways. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. That's probably where I spend most of my time. Builder Nuggets, the podcast, you can find me through that channel. And then you can also go to alairehomes.com slash Charlotte and find me in my construction business here in North Carolina. Cool. Good deal. Yeah. And I definitely, definitely recommend you at least go connect, follow the podcast and yeah, really like what you're up to. And yeah, it's, it's fun to watch. So last couple of questions, I guess anything you're seeing for the end of the year in the market predictions or just trends or things you're noticing, I'll leave it kind of open-ended. I know not everyone likes to to pull out the crystal ball and, and yeah, the uh, crystal the ball prediction. thing, right? Yeah. Save that for the end. <laughs> Always. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, you know, the 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 million dollar question. But yeah, I think we're 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 all very 
we we tend to become reactive and i think this this is probably an opportune time to be proactive really there's a lot of reaction going on right now you know we re, we reacted to covid we now we're reacting to interest rates i i think you know my advice is to take this opportunity to be, to be proactive i mean a little bit of slowdown is a good thing for this industry i mean it was on fire it was too hot our trades are just worn thin take some opportunity to find some some new trades, other avenues, you know, things that maybe some weak spots in your business. It's a good time to work on that. But I, I just everywhere that I look, you know, the demand is still pretty strong. I mean, from a housing standpoint, we're still millions of homes shy. I, I think the remodeling end is still going to continue to be strong. I mean, I know we've got markets, even like I see here in Charlotte, land is becoming more and more difficult to find. So builders might be seeing a little struggle, which just means that you know people aren't going to leave, they're going to say, well, if I can't get a new home, I'll remodel the one I'm in. You know, there's a lot of people right now that have a mortgage that's probably at close to 3%. They're not that incentivized to sell that house. You know, I mean, number one, if they sell, they're going to lose that low interest rate. But two, what are they going to find? They're going to find something really expensive with a high interest rate if they have to take out another mortgage. So they're they're likely to just invest back in that home. You know, so I, I do. I think there's 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 huge opportunities if you, if you if you look at it from a proactive standpoint, you know, and not not try to react to the headlines and things that are going on. I think there's huge opportunity. Yeah, yeah. The whole super low interest rate thing. I mean, I I'll butcher the data, but I've seen seen some. It's it's some astronomical percentage. Like sixty percent of America is like at three percent or under, and like seventy percent is four percent or under, and so. Yeah, you're going. These people aren't motivated to go double their mortgage uh, just interest not, rate, no. and and what can they get? They can't get more. Like they have to go out and upgrade their home, and then it's going to cost them twice as much. So they have to make a big leap to make a upgrade, not just yeah. like a, a small leap. So yeah. yeah, to your point, should should remain healthy for remodeling. Yeah, and and again, staying on the proactive theme. I mean, there's there's so many ways you can be proactive be proactive in understanding your market, what's going on in in real estate, you know, what's going on in home values, pricing. I don't, you know, for anybody that's out there, especially clients that are standing around there thinking that they're just going to wait till prices come down. I don't see that happening at all. I mean, until there's something major, a major disruption to the economy, which yeah, maybe there's a slight, you know, or mild recession on the horizon if if that does come come to be, that's still not any kind of major correction. You know, that's not what's being forecasted by any of the major economists. So I, I think the demand is going to stay strong. I think interest rates are going to stay. You know, we're saying high. They're actually historically around normal. Right. And, and uh, I, I think it's just we're you're just going to have to look at it. Though. Okay, this is what's coming. How do I position myself to message that to the client? You know, and it's worked work to the, you know, to the positive on that. Mm. If they wait, prices are probably going to go higher. It, yeah. That's that feels like the a big part of the conversation with clients, right? Yeah, yeah. Look what's happened the last several years: inflation slowing, but there's still inflation. So it's inflation on whatever the current is. So yeah, I, yeah. I think that's well said. Yeah, I always appreciate the conversations, and thanks for digging into the sales end. I feel like people listening walked away with with a bunch of stuff that they can take and use, and really a lot of it felt like it came back to systems and process, really document down like what are you doing in each step, regardless yeah. of whether you're handing off sales or not. Like that's that's the critical piece, and 
Yeah, we'll have to circle back in five or six months to see how the predictions pan out. I always do some some of those occasionally too. Sometimes we get them right, sometimes we get them wrong. It's yeah, like, sometimes we get them wrong. I mean, no, you know, nobody knows, but uh, like the weatherman here, you know. Well, and the reason I like to ask it is because folks like you, like you, you are working with people across the country, and so there is. Yeah you do get a sense of like that boots on the ground feel and you know what's going on in certain markets. And so you can kind of spot those trends anecdotally. And so that's why I like to ask those because you do have kind of that expansive reach. But yeah, thanks again for for joining us on the podcast. And yeah, appreciate uh, you joining us. Yeah, thank you. And you know, always appreciate what you do. You know, you put out some great content and always enjoy spending some time with you. So thanks for having me on. Cool. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Dwayne. See ya. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.